0: You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 92 of the Team Stripes Podcast, proudly presented by Acme Whistles, helping you make the big calls since 1870. The legendary Acme Thunderer is now available in matte black. Acme Whistles, proudly associated with the NHL since 1917. Ross, we took a little bit of a week off. We're back now. And I think you probably have one of the best stories to tell us. I want to know all about WrestleMania.
2: Well, let me tell you something, brother. Uh, that's, that's my uh, attempt at a whole show. <laughs> it was awesome. We, uh, we got to have WrestleMania here in Tampa. It was supposed to be last year. It ended up being this year. Had awesome seats. It rained all day Saturday and it rained all day Sunday, but the rain went away just in time for the start of the show. Um, we had a flyover after America the Beautiful, which um, so Vince McMahon has this weird thing instead of doing the national anthem, he does America the Beautiful mm-hmm. before his events. Um, so we had BB Rex the first night, and holy smokes, did she look amazing! Um and then we had a couple of F15s out of probably Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. Um the second night it was a little bit better weather so they were able to pop into afterburner as they were flying over the stadium. So, you know, nothing nothing gets you going better than the sound of freedom.
1: It's funny what, when I saw you at WrestleMania, I it was in Dallas. Oh man, it would have been like 2016.
2: Oh, I'm coming next year. It's in Dallas. Oh, it's
1: in Dallas. again. Okay. So oh. in like, I am not a WWE fan by well, any, like we're going to WrestleMania next year. Hey, you know what? That's fine. Because so my uncle is a huge WrestleMania guy. Like WWE loves it. So uh-huh. in 2016, he came down and the, the deal that we cut was he's buying all my tickets, all my food. All I have to do is drive him around the city. There you go. So I was like, yeah, sure. I, I, and, it was WrestleMania at uh. Man, so is was, that
2: the one where Hogan came out, and then Stone Cold came out, and then The Rock came out?
1: I remember all three of them being there.
2: Okay, then yeah, that's that's the one.
1: Yeah, no, I just remember going, and I was more so crowd crowd watching than anything because it was a yeah. Cowboy Stadium, so like, no matter where you sat, you were seventeen thousand feet from the ring, but <laughs> it was still awesome. Like, those things are uh, crazy. When-
2: when they say it is the greatest spectacle in live entertainment, they ain't kidding. No, it's um, something else. I think the coolest part of the weekend was so Raymond James Stadium where the Bucks play, they have a pirate ship in one of the end zones. And you can go to football games on the pirate ship. No big deal. They have their uh I almost said Stanley Cup banner, but they have them their Lombardi trophy banner from O2 hanging. Um, obviously this year's will get added. So Vince being Vince, what does he do? He builds a bigger pirate ship. So there is on the field as part of the entrance, there's a bigger pirate ship than the Buccaneers pirate ship.
1: Just cause they, it was
2: awesome. And then there was pyro, there were drones. Uh, there was, um, live play out. So like a couple of bands were there to play, Uh, the superstars entrance music Um, for anyone. uh, (laughs) This could turn into a wrestling podcast very easily. Oh,
1: I would be, I would have no clue where we're Um, going with it.
2: For, for anyone who uh, watches WWE WrestleMania is something that you have to do. Um, And if you don't watch, check it out. It's very entertaining. It's a great escape from reality. It's, it's a male soap opera let's be honest but it's it's fun i enjoy it um jamie koharski got me back into it um so that's all we do now is like uh for pay-per-views either he comes here to my house or me and my roommate go to his house um because we're all wrestling fans so like that's our thing that we do once a month uh is watch pay-per-views but it's fun wrestlemania was a blast uh, I got a lot of pictures and all that good stuff, so that's all I got on WrestleMania.
1: Good, I mean, it looked fun, like, oh, it was, it, it looked cool. I mean, I, I guess we should kind of go back to hockey now since we are not a wrestling podcast.
0: Um, can't.
1: I mean, I have no clue what I would be talking about for <laughs> okay. wrestling. I, I would just be like, well, one guy jumped on the other guy, uh, yeah,
2: I will say this though, there were about 30,000 people there, and Wrestling is a sport or is a, an event that you have to go to with fans. Oh, it 100%. so fun, especially when the fans get into it. I mean, I love – I'm a huge hockey fan, obviously. I referee this, that, and the other thing. But there ain't no live sporting event like going to wrestling when the fans are into it.
1: It was – I mean, for, for having no clue, like, about the sport or anything like that, like – WrestleMania was like an eye opener for me. Like just the amount of people that actually like loved it to death. I'm like, don't we know what's gonna happen here? And like everybody's like, yeah, like so and so is gonna fight so and so for this long, and then this is gonna. Oh happen. yeah,
2: everybody knows what's gonna happen. Yeah, and it's predetermined. But you yeah. know what? That's
1: the best part. I was I was blown away by it. You
2: just gotta take it for what it's worth, man. Suspend your disbelief.
1: Hey, All but right. if you come down next year, we'll
2: and definitely then, go. And then in other news, if anyone has cryptocurrency, I know you're having a great week. I know I am. I bought a boatload of Dogecoin, and it's made me a good amount of money this week. So I'm a happy
1: camper. Um, yeah, with that, now let's, ta-
2: let's talk about some hockey.
1: Um, yeah, we hit the trade deadline Monday.
2: Yeah, so trade deadline's Monday.
1: No, no, it really was Monday.
2: was Monday. Well, me and my roommate are in the car driving home from WrestleMania listening to um, a sports talk station up in Boston do their WrestleMania postgame show, which they were dying laughing on the air. They're like, I can't believe they're letting us do a WrestleMania post game show. And then the guy goes, hit the breaking breaking news music. And this the one guy that was uh, on the wrestling show, he's normally the producer of their daytime sports program. So they hit the breaking news music, and the guy goes, Per blue check mark, Dan Drager on Twitter, Taylor Hall's coming to the Bruins. And they were so pumped up.
1: And that's huge for the Bruins. I mean, how could you not be, though? Like, the Bruins absolutely fleeced Buffalo. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> fleeced them. Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar for a 2021 second round pick. And Andre Bork, right? Like I'm, I'm sorry you couldn't get like a first round pick in there and a second.
2: But how there wasn't
1: a first round pick given is beyond me. the The only thing I could think of was Taylor Hall has the uh, the chance to leave come summer. Yeah, but still, I mean, there should be a first round pick for him.
2: Very true. I agree. I, at minimum, it's a rental player, and you should be able to get a first rounder for a rental player.
1: Yeah, and then Hall even came out and said like I want to be here long long term. Yeah. So, oh, so- I wouldn't be surprised oh, if he signed.
2: Oh. I you know, it wouldn't have been surprising if they gave him a second rounder on the condition of him not re-signing, but if he does re-sign, they get the first rounder.
1: Yeah, I mean that I mean that would have even been a little bit better because mm-hmm. Buffalo got at, I mean after Monday, Buffalo lost, like, the trade deadline. Yeah, they did. Buffalo could have, like, just fire-sold their whole entire team, got 17,000 draft picks, and instead they go Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar for a 2021 second-round pick. Yep. Plus a player who –
2: Well, and then on, on top of that, I have a feeling Eichel's going to go bye-bye this summer too.
1: I would. If I was him, I'd say see you later. Yep, for sure. But – on the flip side of the trade deadline toronto toronto's going to win a cup no nope. they if they don't win the cup with the roster that they have then there's another team in blue that's got something to say about it you think tampa
2: duh think about it this way we have the best player in the world sitting on the bench right now that's arguable playing arguable best player in the world the lightning are going to have a 100 million dollar payroll when the playoffs roll around because kucherov's not playing right now they're doing everything they're doing without the best hockey player in their division at least
1: i don't disagree with that but if you look at the maple leafs just
2: oh yeah no they have a great roster they got a lot of talent they picked up a couple of goaltenders they got one guy that's hot right now cool, good on you, but you still got to be, you know, you got to go through the Canadian division, which isn't going to
1: be an easy task. For sure. And then you're going to have to play the Lightning. What would that be, like, second or third round? Third round. At least. My thing is with, like, Toronto, like, you have three lines of guys that are either superstars or have been there and done it. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, like, well, they got, a, what, like
2: four or five former captains on their team? I believe
1: it's four, because they got full, full, Nick Foligno, mm-hmm. um Thornton, Traveris, and Spezza. So, four. And, like, if you think about it, their fourth line is absolutely sick. Yep. Like, you have Spezza on your fourth line, which, are okay, grand, yeah, he's, whatever, almost 40 years old. But still, like, the fact is, like, they are stacked. And then you look at them on defense, they got... Bogosian, Brody, Hutton now. They got Jake Muzzin, like Riley. Like They are absolutely stacked. They got three goaltenders that are NHL. I would say arguably NHL starters. You got Freddie Anderson, who's an NHL starter. Now David Riddick, who is an NHL starter, and then Jason Jason Campbell.
2: They're definitely a good team. They, They got a lot going for them.
1: I just don't see how they don't win the Cup. Tampa. And they went all in this year.
2: I'm being a homer, obviously, but Tampa. oh,
1: that's fair. I mean, I, if the Flames were not four points out of you know fourth place right now, like I'd probably say the Flames are sitting pretty. But like, yeah, looking at Toronto and what they did on deadline day was like, oh shit, they're going for the cup now.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true.
1: Them and the Islanders. Yep. And then I think we also have to talk about one more trade, and that is your old GM, Mr. Stevie Y, absolutely fleecing Washington.
2: For – I didn't I – To I
1: Detroit, that. you're getting Jacob Verana, Richard Panic, a 2020 first-rounder, and a 2022 second-rounder, all for Anthony Mantha. Anthony Mantha is a good hockey player. I thought he was going to stay good. in Detroit for a lot longer. But is he worth two players and two picks, one one in second? No.
2: But uh, I will say to you Ring Wings fans out there, um, as we used to say here in Tampa, trust the Iser plan.
1: He's cooking something up.
2: Guy knows what he's doing. Give the Wings a few years. They'll be back on the top of the standings.
1: I mean, yeah, considering – I just don't know as a GM. Like if I saw that trade – and I'm the Washington GM, like, I'm laughing at him. Because mm-hmm. Washington's not, like, I mean, yeah, they, they need to get younger, and Anthony Manta does that for him, but you just traded a first and a second round pick in back-to-back years for a 20-something-year-old kid that he's really good at what he does, but I don't know how mm-hmm. how he thought that was going to be a good idea. But well, that's, I, I but mean,
2: you know, it's the win, win now mentality. It's what have you done for me lately?
1: You know, I just don't see Mantha adding value to that lineup for the win now, at least I should say. Yeah. But I,
2: I mean, at, at this point, it, it is, it's, you know, the Caps are at 60 points, Islanders 58, Penguins 56, Bruins at 50. The Bruins if they don't watch out, the Rangers could sneak up on them. the Rangers are only down four points.
1: Yeah. They've surprised everybody this year.
2: Um, the central division, uh, the top three teams are all tied with 58 points. Fourth place is 10 points behind them. Uh, so, I mean, everything's close. It's the top three and four teams in each division are pretty much set. Mm-hmm. Um I'd say the top 3 top 3 in the central for sure. Top 3 in the east for sure, locked in. Yeah. West top 3 locked in, North Division top 3 locked in.
1: Yeah. And so and I mean
2: everyone everyone else is battling for that 4th seed.
1: But even then like in the North Division like Calgary and and Montreal are going to battle for the 4th seed like that's yeah. it. Like Canucks are gone, Senators are gone. Yeah, you look the at the West yeah, you look at the West Division, you got
2: it's Blues, Coyotes, Sharks.
1: Yeah, and the Sharks are still what, like four? Yeah, I guess they're only four points out, so they're they're kind of right there. But then yeah. like everything else, like East Division, yeah, you got the Rangers two four points out. You said Flyers are six, but yes, yeah, so Bruins have two games Bruins, at hand. Bruins, flyers,
2: and rangers can yeah, and the Bruins do have two games a hand. So I mean the standing, it's getting hot. We have what? Uh, most teams have 12 games left.
1: Yeah, Calgary, I know, has 14 and five of them against Montreal. So that's going to be sick for that. Yeah. Because it's whoever's going to win. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think if f- if Calgary wins four out of the five against Montreal, they're in the playoffs. Yeah. But that's no small order. No, it's not. But, hey, we shall see. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a nice little – I think we got, what, like three weeks left of the regular season? Yep, it's going to be fun. It'll, it'll sure. definitely, definitely be fun. I think with that, though, uh, do you want to send it over to the interview that we have this week?
2: Yes, so our interview this week is a guy who, when it comes to USA Hockey, uh, he's done it all. Um, he was one of the, the guys that was in the program before it was even the program. He's been a supervisor, For the program, he's been an on-ice official at multiple different levels of pro hockey, international hockey. He's even worked the Paralympic Games. With that, our guest this week is none other than Jonathan Morrison.
1: And before we go over, this interview is brought to you by SIG Hockey. Are you in the market for new equipment? SIGHockey.com is your newest source for pro stock, NHL, and NCAA hockey year. SIG Hockey is offering Team Stripes listeners 10% off their first first purchase with code Stripes10. That's stripes10 for 10% off your order at SIG hockey. That's SIG, S-I-G Hockey.com. Hey
2: everybody, welcome to this week's interview for the Team Stripes podcast. We have a guy who is kind of a legend when it comes to officiating in USA hockey, as he's sitting here shaking his head at me. Um, When I started in the program, this guy had been around for a while and he's done pretty much everything under the sun Uh, as far as officiating goes. He's worked all at pretty much everything USA Hockey's had to offer. He's even worked some Paralympics doing sled hockey. He is uh, just an awesome guy to be around. He's an awesome supervisor, great on ice official. And uh, I would like to welcome to the podcast Mr. Jonathan Morrison.
0: Hi Ross, hi Brennan. How are I'm you? I'm confused. I, I thought this was a Star Wars podcast. I'm oh. totally in the wrong place <laughs> right now.
2: Well, it, you know, if this was a Star Wars podcast, I'm not dressed appropriately. I'll go throw on my <laughs> Jedi robes and grab my lightsaber
0: because uh, that's pretty much how you and I commute any uh, communicate anymore. Is yes, being a Star Wars hockey is is completely secondary. So uh, I wore this shirt for you today.
2: Perfect. Well, we'll definitely throw in some Star Wars stuff at the end of the podcast for everybody. Uh, to enjoy and listen to we'll uh i'll have to get your uh your opinions on maybe your favorite movie best line that kind of stuff oh wow now i'm on the spot now now you're on the spot all right well i guess with that really let's just you know we'll, we'll start with the hockey stuffing and and then go to the star wars okay fair um enough. so where are you from originally when did you start playing when did you start uh putting on the uh striped sweater
0: So I grew up in Mason City, Iowa. So if you look at a map and you've got Minneapolis and you've got Des Moines along I-35, halfway between both cities is Mason City, Iowa. So I was born in Minneapolis. Um, My parents grew up about 50 miles north of here. So I grew up here. And Mason City did not have indoor ice until 1983. And by then I was already seven. So I started playing uh, on the outdoor rinks as a mite and as a squirt. Know probably like age three or four or whatever. So we got indoor ice in 83. I think I started officiating somewhere around 11 or 12 years old. Um, My dad officiated in town, which was pretty much a volunteer position. You know, back then it was like anybody that could officiate hey, you're going to go do this game. And then my uncle, John, uh, was an official, worked the USHL, uh, did a under 18s, did a world juniors. And so It was kind of just one of those natural things. I looked up to those guys. I went to every Husky game in the USHL, went in the locker room between periods after the game, and just kind of fell in love with it.
2: That's awesome. So growing up playing, you said you didn't have indoor ice until you were, what, seven? You said that's that's cool that you got to learn how to skate outside. I know, like, for me, a Florida boy, I've only skated outside twice in my life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while for
2: me. Fair enough. So how, what did you, as a player, like, did you play junior? Did you get to like uh, midget? Like how far, how long did you play or how far did you go?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't even have midget hockey. We had Bantam hockey and then we had high school hockey and okay. Iowa high school hockey is nothing to brag about. We have two, two guys who have made the national hockey league, Scott Clemenson. Mm-hmm. And Jed Ortmeyer, you know Jed Ortmeyer's mm-hmm. out of Omaha, and, and Clemenson's out of out of Des It's and you know both those guys left to, to go play juniors. Mm-hmm. So you know I played both JV and varsity hockey. By no means was I a great player. True story. Finished my career in the penalty box.
2: There you um,
0: go. <laughs> yeah, that was the first year Sounds they introduced, like me. yeah that was the first year they introduced two and ten for spearing. I came, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Give me a second to defend myself here. Uh I, I came around and, and went to to stick check a guy in the corner. My stick went right up here his stick and I stuck him right in the gut. And mm-hmm. I thought I was getting a slashing penalty, whatever. And all of a sudden a guy jumps in the box with me. I was like, What are you doing here? He goes, Well, I'm serving your minor. You got two and ten. I look at the scoreboard, there was eight minutes left. I was like, huh, this is how it's gonna end. And that's how it that's how my playing career ended. And then I went to University of Northern Iowa and they had club college hockey. Okay. Bad club college hockey. And during a tryout, it was everybody that I either played with or against in high school hockey. And when the mm-hmm. guy next to me on the bench just puked everywhere, I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm going to go referee. I'm not dealing <laughs> with this. And I literally walked off the bench and haven't had a stick in my hands since.
2: Awesome. Yeah, that kind of sounds like the end of my career. I stopped playing in high school and I was just like, yeah, I'm done with this. So started refereeing. There you so- go when uh you're so you'd already been refereeing a couple years at that point obviously you said you started pretty young yeah um what did you do working up you know through the ranks kind of like everybody else like working local stuff working travel like talk about that part
0: you know i mean we had we had travel hockey and local hockey in north iowa but it wasn't anything crazy Mm -hmm. right i mean that wasn't it wasn't a big assignment to work travel hockey just because it wasn't great hockey right and Mm -hmm. that's that's not a hit against hockey in Iowa by any stretch as soon as I got into high school or I'm sorry as soon as I got out of high school I was immediately doing high school hockey and my freshman year of college I actually got mono in 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 the fall and so like I couldn't skate and uh, I got green lit in mid-January to get back onto the ice And I had my first game in USHL at the end of February in 1993. Uh And, I mean, I kind of got really thrown into it. I have a picture of me from that game, and I look at it, and I I look like a fish out of water. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I'm like, uh, there's no way I was good enough for that level at that time. Mm
2: -hmm. So, USHL, that was – it was junior then, correct? Because it's been junior – Probably since what the '80s, I think, is when it switched from being pro to junior. Yeah, it was senior men's. I want to
0: say back in the '70s. My uncle worked that. I don't know when it switched over, but when okay. I was in it,
2: it was junior.
0: I, it was it was junior. So we had the North right. Iowa Huskies, which are now is now Cedar Rapids. That franchise moved there.
2: Okay, so you hadn't skated. You were coming fresh off of mono. You worked some high school games, and then okay. Here's a USHL assignment. Have fun. Yep. That's wild. So uh, the program wasn't around back then, I assume, correct? Okay. No. So how did you end up getting that USHL assignment?
0: Uh, Well, it was actually, um, I bartended that summer and uh, this guy kept coming in to watch the Stanley Cup finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire playoffs, his name was Steve McCall. He was director of Media Relations for the USHL and he was actually also working for the North Iowa Huskies. And I just got to know Steve. I mean, he's you know okay. guy in Iowa watching the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. And so he put me in touch with the guy who was running it at the time it was a guy named uh, Steve Kameyer out of Waterloo, Iowa, who yeah. you know knew of my family, and I Steve McCall sent me a letter. Like we actually mailed letters back then.
2: Yep. <laughs> I mailed a
0: letter to to Steve K Meyer, and he's like, "Well, he goes, I'm going to give you your first game." He's like, "I'm going to put you on the ice with your uncle. He'll show you the ropes." Um, and unfortunately, my uncle got sick that game, and uh, my local mentor had to jump in, but they got me through it.
2: Awesome. So then from there, like, what? How did how did things progress? Like, you've done a USHL game. Did you get more and more, or? How, how did it go from, from that point?
0: I, I kept working Iowa high school, you know, that was a way for me to both line and referee to kind of not, not figure out what I wanted to do. Cause trust me, I wasn't trying to figure out if I wanted to be a referee or line. I just, I just enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was working high school hockey. Um, I started working club college hockey at like Iowa state and things like mm-hmm. that. I mean, back when I was there, that was a, that was a big deal in that old barn um, and just, you know, kept with the USHL, my first, I guess we'll call it full year in the USHL, Scott Zingerman uh, from Omaha was the referee in chief. And, you know, I was young, I'd travel. I went to that tiny barn in Sioux city more often than i you know, care to remember for 50 bucks and no mileage and no hotel and, and no nothing and just went there to survive in that rink. Um, yep. And just kept grinding away at it. And when I was in college, You know, I could either, that club college story I told you, I could either pay to play really, really crappy club college hockey or get paid to referee. Yeah, Super easy decision when you're in college,
2: right?
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. So, like, my, you know, my friends were doing whatever, sitting around in the dorm or their apartments or whatever when I was in in college. And I was going to Sioux City and Omaha and and Des Moines and, and having a blast. And that's, it just, it turned into a snowball that got bigger and bigger and bigger.
2: Yep. Well, yeah, it's one of those things, like, especially when we get into the grind of it, like, we get used to it. We're on the road every weekend, and as the passion grows, that's where you want to be every weekend is on the road with the boys. Right. Um, And I was thinking back, and I was actually having a conversation with Kevin Curtis the other day. Um, We were talking about uh, just some random stuff, and he, he brought up a good point, like, our my group was like the last real group that really got to have a lot of fun doing it, because it's it's changed with yeah. you know, social media with with the the way the you know the the three letter leagues are hiring guys now, um, things are a lot different. Whereas yep. like when when we when, like when you're coming up or when I, when I was coming up, you know, doing the AJ and the Matt and the NA and the USH all that good stuff. Like the amount of fun that we got to have off the ice, obviously, you know, we weren't stupid about things. Right. But, you know, just being around the guys and, and like going out after the game, doing all that kind of stuff, like that is really why I kept doing it. It's why I still referee to this day is, you know, I want to be around the guys, not the game. Eh, that's part of it. But being around the boys is the best part.
0: And, I think that's one of the reasons it's been such a grind this year, you know, like for me in in college hockey, it's been an absolute grind because it's just been, you go in a day early, you get your COVID test, you go to the hotel, you get takeout, you wake up in the morning, you get your COVID test, you go back to the hotel, you get takeout. And it's just like this rinse, repeat. And I think back to when you're talking about all those special memories and things that you got to create, one of my best memories has nothing to do with officiating but I remember going to see um, – uh, who, uh, who was the pitcher for the Cubs? Um, I want to – it's not Kerry Wood, but um, uh, Price?
2: Um, uh, no, Price would have been recent, more recent.
0: Uh, um, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Anyway, Derek Berkebile and Travis Smith were living together in Des Moines. And he goes, we got to go see this guy pitch at the Iowa Cubs. And it was, it was a horrible, horrible April day, like rainy and 50 yeah. degrees. I'm like, man, I'm not going to the ballpark today. <laughs> and so we go to the ballpark and we watch this guy he gets called up triple A. He strikes the first side out in 10 pitches, the second side out in 11 pitches and then hits two bombs. He was a man amongst <laughs> boys and we froze to death that game. And I feel so bad that I can't think of his, his name right now, but, it was, we got to see a guy who then was a major league pitcher just months later and was Uh an unbelievable difference maker. Those are the things I remember. Yeah. That was the fun. And if I had been an official, I never would have met those guys. I never would have had that experience.
2: Mm -hmm. Ain't that the truth. Like all the, all the little sidebar stuff, like stuff like that, or um, like when uh, my first year out of the military, when I was full-time with, um, with the SP I spent the first part bouncing around between uh, the what's the Chicago apartment, um, Toledo, a couple other places, and like I'm hanging out with a couple of the boys. or sitting on uh, one of the guy's girlfriends uh, lived right in downtown Chicago. We're sitting on the roof with the skyline looking out, yeah. having a few beers, just just enjoying the life. Exactly. All all that kind of stuff that goes, you know, that comes with it is, is what makes it awesome. So you've done the USHL for a few years. Then when, like when did you break into, you know, doing pro hockey or.
0: um... I think my pro first pro game was in 1997. It was in the old IHL. Okay. And that's before the IHL was reborn. That's when the IHL was. It was kind of the American League for older. The American League was younger Mm -hmm. players. The IHL was older players.
2: Yep. So It was those career guys that not necessarily were NHL caliber talent, or maybe they were, but they were on the tail end of their career, making a couple bucks. And, man, was that good hockey.
0: Oh, my first game had Peter Nedved playing in it. He was holding out against Pittsburgh for more money, and he was playing for, like, Long Beach or Vegas or something like that. And I, I had my lineup card and I'm not even kidding you fast forward to 2013. I run into him at the world championships in the hallway in Stockholm. And I'm like, Mr. Nedved, can, I, I got to tell you a story. I was like, I was like, you played in my first professional hockey game. I ever refereed. It was an exhibition game in the IHL in Omaha. and Omaha. he goes, I remember that I was holding out for more money. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: so freaking cool.
0: Yeah, I worked with legendary IHL and East Coast League linesman Jerry Burt from St. Louis. Uh, that guy brought more people into pro hockey than anybody, I'm sure, in the Midwest. Like, he he, he was, if you were going to work your first pro game, that's who you skated with. And <laughs> they never sent me a rule book. They sent <laughs> me a crest, told me where to go. So I'm like, okay, I go to do a game. And I was like, before the game, I was like, hey, Jerry, like, what are the rules here, man? And he's like, oh, man, you'll be fine. And I was like, no, seriously, what are the rules? And he goes, whatever, you'll be fine. Look, we're going out on the ice. We're getting ready for the national anthem. I'm shaking in my boots. And he goes, you were kidding about that rule thing, right? I go, no, man. I have no (laughs) idea what the rules are. (laughs) So, yeah, I got a crash course on high sticking, offsides, icing, hand passes there in about 15 seconds. We played.
2: Nice. And that was also two-line pass and touch icing then.
0: Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, oh. that was fun.
2: How, how was doing two line pass? I, I just missed out on that.
0: It was, man, did you have to be dialed in? Because there were so many intricacies to the rule that nobody besides officials knew. Where like mm. you could catch the puck on the other side of the line as long as you didn't proceed the puck across the line. Mm. So if a guy threw like a, you know, a rainbow pass like this and the guy waited. Uh Waited for the puck to cross and then went across. He could go catch that pass. Yeah. And people would lose their mind. And then the other thing was you'd get the guy who was offside at center ice and then you'd get the potential license. So the D man wouldn't touch the puck. Right. Yeah. And so then the other guy had touched the puck thinking he was going to throw it out to the front and some guy was going to bury it. You blow the whistle and signal two, And everybody was like, what the heck just happened? So (laughs) I miss it, but don't miss it because you were directing traffic the whole game.
2: Yep. Yeah, man, I I know um, in talking to a few people about it, it was extremely complicated. And the higher up you went, the harder it got. Oh. And let's be honest, that rule was specifically in place so the referee could keep up with the play. <laughs> sure, yeah, big time. Like, that's that's really what it was. And then obviously when the NHL went to four-man, two-line pass could go bye-bye because they didn't need it anymore. Yeah, yep.
0: And college never had it.
2: Oh, No. Okay, no. I couldn't remember whether or not they did. Um, no, we,
0: we had a blast from the past a couple of weeks ago. I think it was beginning of January, I was doing a Big Ten game and, and Fred Pletch, Jesse Pletch's dad, was mm-hmm. was doing color commentating for the Big Ten Network. We called a long bomb offsides play. And uh, Fred, uh, Freddie Pletch on, on air goes, oh, they must have called two-line pass. <laughs> and so I clipped it and I sent it to Fred and I sent it to Jesse. Go, Jesse, how old is your dad? Like what's going on right now? <laughs> and uh, oh did we give him the gears and i, I saw Freddie a couple of weeks later at another game i was like ah two line pass hey Freddie. he's like oh man bad moment
2: and, and i'm sure most of the people watching were like what the hell is he even talking about
0: exactly there What's was the there was about pass? there was three people in the barn who three people watching that game that knew what he was
2: talking about and they
0: were just like ah, okay fred
2: that's awesome so you're doing the the ihl doing the ushl um Uh, so doing a lot of that kind of stuff. And then when about in your career did like the program come about? So what was your involvement?
0: The program started in 98. I think 98, 99 was the first year of the program. And that year I lived in Des Moines, uh, lived on 22nd EP true. My roommate was, uh, Brian Pachmara, um, And that was the first year of the program Mm -hmm. and our first meeting in Spooner, Wisconsin for the program full-time camp. There was eight of us. Oh wow. Okay. That was it. There was eight, eight full-time officials. There was, uh, two in Des Moines, three in Omaha and three in St. Paul. That was it.
1: Wow.
2: And that's, and you guys were just working strictly USHL and some pro stuff, right? Yeah.
0: We were working the USHL. Brian Pachmar opened the door for ODP guys to get into the ECHL because they loved him, rightfully so. I mean, Brian mm-hmm. Pachmar was one of the best referees I've ever skated with. And uh, so he opened that door because Brian, you know, his first year in the USHL, he had come from the NA, he was skating in the ECHL. So he really opened that ECHL door, you know, mm-hmm. 22, 23 years ago.
2: Yep. And that's kind of been the route for guys ever since. Yeah, you know, graduating out of the program, going either, uh, well, going over to the ECHL. Mm-hmm. Um, so then from there, obviously, then you've been around the whole time and you got to watch it grow into what it is now. Um, we had on Scott Zelkin recently, you know, talked about, you know, him taking over and all that. And, you know, he, he was very complimentary of like yourself and Tater, uh, and some of the other guys that have been around for a long time. And, you know, the glue of the program, um, I know for me, like my first year in, I'll never forget you. You supervised me in Mar- Marlboro. Oh yeah. What there. a rank. What a rank, rank that place is. And I, I think you were going back and forth cause we had an AJ game and a Met game on the ice at the exact same time. And I think I was on the AJ game, but I'll never forget. Like, I think it was maybe the first or second time meeting you. You had on like this long trench coat and like, <laughs>
1: I just those remember were being kind of
2: scared of because, like, oh, no, like, oh, God, Motown's here. I, you know, I better, better skate my tail off. Um, but you know, like, you're one of those guys has just been a staple of the, you know, the officiating development program. Um, so then obviously from there, you know, you're progressing, you're working pro hockey, and then you get involved with, um, I, well, I guess we can talk about the Paralympics too. Like, How did all did that come about? So
0: in 2005, my first game of the year was an American League game in Omaha. I was working with Justin St. Pierre and uh, Dan McDougal. And I had just finished a summer camp in a real uh, humid barn. I'd taken my half shield off because it kept fogging up, right? Yeah. Got to the rink first game of the year. Don't have a half or Omaha is a brand new team in the American league. I don't know the equipment guy. i have been wearing a half or for years. I didn't want to ask him for a half shield. So I go out and I skate without one nine minutes, 32 seconds into the game. Puck takes a funny bounce off the stanchion hits me right here. Of course crushes in my zygomatic arch, my cheekbone. So, um, I skate over to the equipment guy. I get knocked down, obviously. I'm not cut. It didn't hit me hard enough to cut because it hit my temple protector, but caved in. And they're looking at me. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm, you know, I'm dizzy. They're like, well, you're not cut. They're like, you want to keep going? And I look over at my partner. It's his first program. He is literally shaking like a leaf. I'm like, well, I can't leave him out here. Yeah. So I finished the game. Justin is flying out of Des Moines. We had driven from Des Moines. They want to send me to the hospital in Omaha. Justin's like, no, we need to go. And I'm sorry, this is a long story, but this sets this whole no, thing up. He's like, no, we it. need to go to Des Moines. I got to fly out in the morning. We'll take you to the hospital in Des Moines. So I remember waking up on the road trip. We're halfway on I-80 to Des Moines. I look up, Justin has my car pegged at hundred miles an hour. The and they've already given me like three biking. And so I don't care. I just fall back asleep. <laughs> so I'm out. I'm out for six weeks got to go under the knife, get my cheek fixed, all that stuff. And you know, I was, I was pretty down in the dumps about it. And brand goes, Hey, Scotty brand goes, Hey, this guy might call you about sled hockey. I was like, sled hockey, what is sled hockey? Uh You know, there wasn't sled hockey on YouTube back then. So I got a call, um, from, um, Scott Brinkman out of Buffalo, New York introduces himself. Mm -hmm. He says, hey, I got your name from Matt Leaf. I thought you might be interested in officiating sled hockey. And um, I had never seen it at that time. He goes, I'll send you some DVDs. Um, You can kind of figure out what the sport is about. He goes, I'd like to bring you to Colorado Springs for a USA, Canada, Germany kind of round robin tournament. And he goes, I'm going to bring you and Scott Backel. You'll referee Hill line. He goes, there'll be another guy there to teach you the sport. He goes, and you know what, if it goes good, we'll give you a shot at going to Torino for the Paralympics. I'm like, sweet, right? Okay. (laughs) It was my first year in the WCHA. So Uh I'm like, oh man, I got to call Greg Shepard, tell him that, you know, Mm -hmm. I might be gone for two weeks in March. So I was like, hey, Mr. Brinkman, I said, at what point in this process am I going to know if I'm going to Torino? Because I got to let this guy know that I'm not going to be able to skate. He goes, let me start over congratulations you've been selected to go to the 2006 paralympic games in torino and i was like i was like oh crap (laughs) i need to figure this sport out quick and uh so we went to about a month before we went to torino we went to colorado springs worked like six games and man Uh just baptism by fire just you know scott mcdonald from canada Uh, just taught us the game. And, and uh, you know, Scotty and I had a great run in Torino, you know, we worked the gold medal game and, and again, just snowballed from there and, you know, been going with it ever since.
2: Yeah. And I uh, I've gotten to see it. I have, I still haven't had the chance to actually work any sled hockey games. So for our listeners out there that don't necessarily know what sled hockey is, definitely check it out. It is an absolutely awesome sport. Uh, those those uh, men and women that that do play sled hockey are just absolutely unreal athletes,
0: oh, unreal athletes and even better human beings.
2: Oh, yes. Hundred percent. hundred percent. I've gotten to meet a few and it's just absolutely um, humbling and especially like being in my case, being a veteran and having met a few that, you know, that are wounded veterans Um, just like man, those guys give it their all, and it's, I tell you, those guys can wheel on the ice, that's for sure.
0: Some of the you know, some of the double amps, uh, or or guys who you know have spina bifida and just don't have that mass out in front of them, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what they can do in terms of speed and agility and puck movement is just unbelievable. Such a fan of the game,
2: it's it's certainly, certainly fun to watch. So at this point now, so you've knocked out, you've done Paralympics. Um, when was you? Uh, so you're, you know, you got your IHF and all that kind of stuff. Um, what was your experience working like that kind of stuff? Cause I think you said you've done some world championships, done some world juniors as well. I believe if I, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it started out like any American, you're going to go to a D three event. So I went mm-hmm. to Mexico city division, three men's true story Work game. That was 48 to nothing. And uh, yeah, I got Mexico's end twice. So I picked up, you know, approximately 30 pucks out of the net. Um, No, I'm sorry. I got Armenia's end uh, twice. It was Mexico versus Armenia. Armenia got smoked 48 rip first tournament. Then I went to the under 18s, didn't have a great under 18s. That was that first tournament in Fargo, went back, Mm -hmm. did a division three again, uh, back in Mexico city, and then got assigned to the 2011 world juniors, which was in Buffalo and was fortunate enough to be able to do that tournament with Keith Cavall who I had worked in the USHL with he and I are friends even mm-hmm. you know back then we had done the under 18s together and you know what? the stars aligned in buffalo yeah you know the US gets knocked, up, knocked out in the semis it's Canada Russia in the gold medal game and they tap both Keith and I to do that game and you know what to be able to work like? no. <laughs> um you know great things happened that tournament. Kevin Mitch out of the Western League was the main supervisor at that event and I had a great relationship with Kevin prior to that. I'd worked a handful of games for him in the Western League. He had supervised in the ODP and with Kevin I knew I could go out and skate my game. You know, I don't want to, you know, sound like like Herb but skate your Mm -hmm. game. Right. And that's what I had written in my book, skate my game. I could do the things that a North American official does that usually very much upsets a European supervisor. I could go out and do those and know they would be all all right with Kevin. Yeah. And so the stars align, we get that game. Well, it's minutes away from the Canadian border. So they came over in droves and they're playing Russia, which, you know, it's Russia, Canada, U S those are the countries that are battling all the time. And that isn't negating anything that Sweden or Finland ever bring to the table. And that was the game that Canada is up three rip to start the third. And Russia was almost knocked out of the tournament, took it to OT in a shootout to stay alive in the tournament. Quarterfinals, I had them, OT shootout. Semis, I had them, OT shootout. Now they're down three nothing to start the third. The younger guy who kept opening, who like kind of escorted us on and off the ice, he turns to me and Philip Felix Winnikens Willik- out of Germany. By the way, only game I ever worked with him, ever. Didn't work with him during the tournament. We get thrown into the gold medal game together. Whatever, <laughs> you guys will figure it out. He had already worked the Olympics at that point. And so um, the kid opening our door, he goes, Man, this game's gonna get ugly. You guys are gonna be pulling bodies apart for the next 20 minutes. It's gonna get ugly. I go, Dude, you haven't seen anything yet. And I go, Just wait eight minutes later it's three, three. And the game ends up game ends up five, three, like mind blown. I mean, still, that's one of the top IHF, you know, moments and, and mm-hmm. meltdown. And, you know, the funny story about that is two days before that Keith got, uh, Keith got the flu. He was rooming right next to me. He knocks oh, on geez. my door at, at five 30 in the morning. I open it. He's green. He goes, dude, I'm in bad shape. I need Pedialyte. I need drugs. He was supposed to work like the fifth, sixth place game or something that day. Uh So I immediately called Kevin Mitchell. I was like, Hey man, Keith can't go today. He can't. They come in, they check him out. They pump him full of fluids morning of the gold medal game. They're like, Keith, you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm ready to go. I knew he was full of it. (laughs) So sick. He was so sick, but there was no way that game, he was not going to fish. And
2: it was three man. Correct. No, it was four man. It was so four,
0: okay. it was him and Martin Frano from the check. Um, okay. You know, he also worked the ODP years ago. It's so, and so it's Felix. So it was like this perfect ODP, you know, culmination game with all mm-hmm. of us. And so Keith is like, yep, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And so, you know, he's from Erie, he's an hour away. There's no way he's not doing this game on his home yeah. soil. So, Halfway through the game, you know, Keith's doing great. Halfway through the game, all of a sudden, I hear the Canadian go, what the bleep, bleep, bleep. And I look, and Keith is wiping puke from his mouth and kicking it into the Canadian goalie's neck. And the Canadian goalie goes, dude. He you know, just threw up in my crease. And I'm like, oh, man. So I go out and get a water bottle and spray it down and kick it in. And nobody was none the wiser. Only the three of us knew. But yeah, Keith puked in the middle of that game because he was so sick, but he knocked it out of the park.
2: That's unreal. Oh, yeah. my God. That's so good. I'll, oh, uh, we'll d- when, when we have him on, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to uh, put that in the notes to ask him about. It. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, and then. And it was the Russians that won then, right? 5-3? Yeah. So, so that they... was uh, Tarasenko uh,
0: from St. Louis.
2: Okay. Yep. Jeez. Five five unanswered in, in the third period. Unreal. Could have heard a pin drop in that barn when it ended, man. It was crazy. Brennan's sitting here shaking his head like, yep,
1: I remember watching that game. <laughs> I re- No, I remember I had to go to bed. And so I remember sitting there, like listening to it on the radio and it was like three rip going to the third, we're doing good, whatever. And uh, it was three, one, three, two, three, three. And then it was like, Oh, Oh shit. Oh yeah. Uh, and then it was, it was, I just remember going to bed that night. Like what just happened?
0: Yeah, it was uh yeah, that when those teams took the ice, it felt like a freight train was going down the center of that rink. The building shook. Fast forward two hours and 15 minutes later and it was a church in there. That was crazy.
2: It's crazy how that goes sometimes. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, So then that's, that ends uh, after, after that world juniors, what other international stuff have you gotten to do?
0: So I did the men's world championships in 2012 and 2013. And that was one of those split city ones, Stockholm and Helsinki. So the first 2012 I did, uh, I was in Helsinki the entire time and then flew over to Stockholm for the finals. So I worked the semis and backed up the gold in 2012. And then in 2013, I was in Stockholm, worked the quarterfinals, didn't work the semis and flew home. The coolest memory about 2012 was when we chartered to go over to the city that was having the semis and the finals, We're sitting there on our plane, you know, like eight hockey referees just kind of waiting. We're like, oh, great. You know, we got this whole plane to ourselves. This is great. And then Team Russia walked on. And literally, it's it's Malkin and Ovechkin um, just sitting next to us, you know, playing their, (laughs) you know, their little Game Boys or whatever they had at the time. And so we land. We don't go through customs, nothing. We just pull off to the tarmac. This huge, you know, truck pulls up. Mm -hmm. And we start unloading the plane. And by we, I mean Team Russia and us start unloading the plane. And here's referee bags coming down the chute, right? And like uh-huh. Obi going, referee bag, referee bag, yeah, you're a referee bag and sets it over here. <laughs> just like, Obi just unloaded my bag. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was cool. That was about the the neatest 42 minute flight I ever had. I was like, Obi's sitting
2: right over there. <laughs> That's so damn cool. And like obviously the world championships is you know you're skating with all those players that have gotten knocked out of the playoffs in the NHL. I can only imagine the speed. Because I've, I think I've only ever watched it a couple of times. Like, what's, what's that hockey like?
0: That's, when you got the big boys playing, like I mean the big teams, mm-hmm. it is absolutely electric. Because you're right. Those guys, whatever their team loses in the first or second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs and then, you know, team Sweden calls them up. Hey, we just sent a plane for you. We're going to come pick you up. And By the way, you're <laughs> playing tomorrow. So get some sleep. And so yeah, like Ovi showed up halfway through the tournament when the caps got knocked out mm-hmm. and it was just like, you know, Char was there. I mean, just the list of guys that were there. I remember Malkin cutting in front of me on the blue line and I, I don't know how the ice held up and just didn't completely shatter underneath him because you have no idea how big and strong he is until you're standing next to him and he comes in and just cuts across the blue line i mean you just you do your best to keep up man yeah it's just go it's it's it's, it's awesome it's yeah. just awesome
2: for sure that's that's unreal man like getting to getting to be on the ice with those guys i know hell just doing training camp here is 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 a blast so i can only imagine when they're actually playing for something that means something. Um, Something I kind of want to talk about that you mentioned is, you know, you're, you're going out there doing your game as a North American official. And then you said, you know, you had a supervisor who is North American compared to like a European supervisor. What are some of the differences between working as an American official or a Canadian official, let's say, you know, wearing USA hockey or working pro here, compared to let's say when you have that IHF crest on and you're over there doing things their way. Like what are some of the nuanced differences?
0: I mean, a couple small things. I mean, if you read the IHF, you know, officiating manual, if your partner's dropping the puck in the neutral zone, you're supposed to stand directly across from him, basically on the other faceoff dot. Okay. okay. Awesome. I'm completely out of position. I'm not on the determining edge of where the puck is going to come in. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't been in the IHF now for for eight years. They might have changed that, but when I was yeah. there, you stood directly across well, from your partner.
2: I assume that's when they were using the imaginary line and not nine dots, correct? No, we were using nine dots. Okay, um,
0: but if you were if your partner was dropping the puck in neutral zone face off on the dot, you were expected mm-hmm. to stand in the neutral zone directly across from him instead of you know shading into the end zone to immediately have that that yeah. vantage point for the first offside. Uh, Another thing is, man something simple, like sitting up on the board to let the puck go underneath your feet.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I had so many European supervisors who, you know, would tell me, you know, absolutely not. There's no reason for you to ever do that. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, when you when you kind of know that you can go out and skate your game because Kevin Minch from mm-hmm. Hockey Canada, he's going to teach his guys to do that. You, you kind of go out, it gives you a little confidence to be able to do what you want to do versus being able yeah. to... You know, kind of fit your game to their style. I mean, I've had I've had supervisors tell me, you know, hey Johnny, you know, offsides by this much, okay, player earn that. Like what? It's either on or it's off, man. (laughs) You know. And I had that same supervisor two story, you know, tell me it's okay, well, this much, it's fine. That same supervisor have the stones to come into my locker room after the game with a laptop in 4k and slow it down frame by frame by frame and zoom in and show me a, a play that was offsides by this much that led to a potential goal scoring uh-huh. and then chew to my butt about it
2: uh-huh. like, are you, are you kidding me man that's wild yeah. did you tell him he
1: earned it <laughs> <laughs> Brendan with the one-liners. That's straight you know, like, straight up. I would have I my, my knowing my dumb ass, I would have looked at him and be like, well, you earned it. You know, I just watch. And I probably would have gotten fired, but eh, you know.
0: Brendan for the I, win. I needed you in my corner. I needed you as like, you know, you know, like the cut man in boxing, yeah. you know, the guy yeah. who's there. I need you in my corner. And just like I'm sitting there staring at the laptop with a blank face, and you come in from the corner and go. Did
2: he earn it? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like in in those little differences. I remember, um, uh, a guy telling me, like he went, uh, one guy that went to the Olympics, um, NHL linesman. He was telling me when he would go shag the puck for icing, bull whistle to her arm in the air. They don't do that over there. all, no, they don't. So the whole first period, he's doing it. So he gets off the ice, and uh, I guess the supervisor said something along the lines of, "Like, what are you doing? Are you trying to like show us up here? We don't do that kind of
0: stuff." Yeah,
2: That's the little things, man. And then I, I want to say, if I remember the story right, he went out there in the first icing of the period, he, <laughs> he threw it up there. But then the rest of the grab... time he didn't. Yeah, yeah. I used to
0: grab my pants if I was skating down for an icing in an IHF uh-huh. game. I, I grabbed my pants so I wouldn't throw my
2: arm in the air yeah just those little like little minute little things like um so you like like we said like i said in the intro you've pretty much done everything there is to do um for usa hockey um what what kind of role are you in now or what kind of stuff have you been doing i know like it's so funny back when i was going through the program it was like, oh boy, I'm going to get a nasty gram from Mo if I don't do my mileage right or
1: if I pick the wrong hotel. <laughs> we just got that email sent out today. <laughs> it was in my inbox. I was like, oh, we better do mileage. Hey, did you know one, how many versions I had of that? And I deleted what I actually wanted to say because I know
0: the tent falls on a Saturday. It's going to be a disaster. My inbox is going to be full on Sunday and it's such a pain in the butt. And by the way, this is a calmer, gentler Mo than you know five six years ago. I think that's been documented. Yes. Um, but you know, like here's here's the reason I get fired up about stuff like that is I remember what it was like to be mm-hmm. those guys. And if you've got two hundred bucks in mileage coming to you and getting that money on time versus it being delayed a couple days can make a big difference, right? Whether or not you're mm-hmm. late on your car payment, whatever, right? And so like, I want to get those reports to the league. I understand the NA and NA three and the SPHL, they pay at the end of the month and it doesn't matter. But the USHL, when I send that report, Steph gets it. She takes a look at it, verifies that everything's right. And she's going to pay the guys as soon as she can. So I want that report to be in there. I don't want to be waiting on guys. Okay. Because then other people are waiting on money for other people's mistakes. And so, you know, back to your question, My job is, you know, assist coordinator, transportation, logistics, Mm -hmm. mileage, hotels, training camp. It's those three things, right? When it comes to planning training camp, putting all the pieces of the puzzle together to help Scott Zelkin, you know, not have to freak out or worry about everything at camp. I help him with that. When it comes to logistics, you know, hotels and this year for hotels has been a disaster because we're not having guys stay in apartments. Yeah. Like the only people staying in apartments are apartment guys, right? Mm -hmm. If you're traveling in from Minneapolis and working in Des Moines, you're not staying in the Des Moines house because of COVID. So, on an average year, I'll book 850 hotels. I'm at 1,100 right now, and I didn't book any until mid October. And we still got months to go. It's, yeah. Mono and I are, we're wiped. It's oh, everybody. Keith is white. Scott is white. Tater's white. I mean, it's just, I can't wait for this year to be done, man.
2: Yeah. I, I hear you. And it's, it's one of those things. Like I, um I pretty much finished with everything that I'm going to be doing for this season. And we have, uh we have adult nationals next weekend. That'll be a fun skate. It always, it's yeah. always a good time. Um, But I remember I said to uh, Kelly who we had on last week, Kelly Rolstad, um, It's like, you know, this, This has honestly been the most challenging season that I've had. And I I haven't even worked. I I was I'm not in the program anymore. I didn't work. I haven't worked any Coast League games yet because Steve hasn't needed me. Like I haven't worked any of that kind of stuff. But just with everything that we've been through this year with COVID and you know, are we playing these games? Is games getting canceled, getting moved around? Like just being able to adapt and overcome, like for everyone, it's just been the most difficult season that you know anyone has ever had and it's one of those things too like when we come out the other end of this when things slowly get back to normal we're going to look at, back at this and be like you know what we made it through that we can make it through anything
0: i agree i completely agree
2: so it, it's definitely been a challenging year that's for sure for you know for everybody the guys on the ice the guys in the administration side it's um it's certainly been um difficult and and challenging and all that do you uh do you get to still go to the rinks and supervise? Um, I,
0: I enjoy my weekends off.
2: There you go. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> I do. The new North Iowa rink of the new Mason City rink is literally three minutes that way. I can walk uh-huh. there. Um, if Keith is in town, I'll go and watch a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I'm happy not being in a rink on weekends yeah. i'm not skating um just because you know what i've been doing this a long time and yeah for sure hockey uh life 2.0 is kind of nice
2: oh i can only imagine i uh, i certainly uh i'm kind of getting to the the part of my career where i'm i'm kind of there too where i just want to you know help out where i can and you know but with with all that Let's see. I guess we can kind of shift to a couple of Star Wars things. I and mean, we've covered pretty much all the hockey stuff. Um, unless you have any like really good stories that you can think of on top of what you've already told. Um, I, you know, I,
0: I don't know. It's.
2: Cause I mean, you, we've, we've talked about some pretty big moments in your career, getting to work some world championships Ovechkin, you know, handing you your ref bag (laughs) doing a gold medal game at the world juniors. So, okay, we'll, we'll go to star Wars then which, which one of the nine movies, well, 11 movies is your favorite.
0: You know, I mean, I, I grew up in that time period. So I, you know, Oh man, my wife is staring at me right now to see how I answer this question. (laughs) um, you know, to, to make sure, you know, I'm an empire strikes back.
2: Yeah. You can't go wrong with empire. That's I, for sure. You know,
0: I just, that was the one where, you know, I was, I was pretty young when star Wars came out. So empire, I was, you know, a little bit older, you know, could understand it, could really develop a crush for Carrie Fisher. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so I mean, that's my favorite one. I mean, I, I think like so many star Wars fans, you know mandalorian this last couple years has just meant right it just has really ignited the you know the love for the franchise with for so many people i mean
2: mm-hmm. my license plate say millennium falcon there you go <laughs> 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 perfect well of all the my my favorite movies jedi i'm um, one yeah. of the rare people that return of the jedi is the my favorite one um I don't know why it just always has been my favorite of the original trilogy, and then it just has kind of stuck with me as being my favorite movie. But yeah, okay. Mando, Mando's been good. Uh, the season finale, Mandalorian, was unreal. Uh, uh. Uh, the the last ten minutes of it was just again mind
1: blown. Kind of. I, like, I think... Brendan,
2: are you a Star Wars guy or no?
1: No, I am the farthest thing from it. Never seen a movie. <laughs> nothing. <Brendan. laughs> Oh my goodness. For
0: me, for me, it, it, it turns me into that nine-year-old kid again. You know, I mean, one of the biggest, the the toughest things for me for, for COVID is not being able to go to the movie theater, you know, just losing myself and being immersed in that. And and maybe, and maybe that's why, you know, hockey has been a a good escape this year. It's just Mm -hmm. like, okay, when the puck goes down, boom, you got to flip the switch, right? Yep. You got to be ready to go for the next two and a half hours. And, you know, that's been the escape. And, And, you know, I'm very fortunate in the, you know, the conference I work in, in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I primarily work, um, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin. I went to Ohio State five times this year. Um, We don't have, you know, local officials there. And so it was a pretty easy trip for me to drive up to Midian and and fly there. And I'm so fortunate in the guys that I get to work with in the Big Ten. They're Mm they they're Awesome officials. There are guys that I want to be around and that's not a hit on any other conference, but you know, I really, really enjoy and appreciate the conference that I work for. You know, Nick Bradshaw and Sam Shikowski out of Minneapolis are two of the best damn linesmen in America. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Those two, we call them the twin towers. When those two are together, you know, they're, they're going to be lights out. Nick Bradshaw, I'm I'm saying it now. If that guy had started, that guy had started officiating sooner than he did, I never would have skated with him because he would have been in the national hockey. That guy is that damn good. And to be able to skate with those guys, and and you know, and there's so many other guys in the Big Ten that are, you know, just as good as those guys. But you know, that that's what I, I love about it. I'm still skating with young guys who are still mm-hmm. hungry, guys that I gotta help along the way. And, you know, that's what kind of got me through this year.
2: Yeah, for sure. Not uh, not being able to go to the movie theaters has is, is definitely sucked. We watched um, Kong versus Godzilla the other night on the couch. And it was just, it wasn't the same as being in the movie theater. No,
0: not when you can hit pause and, you know, go microwave some food. It's not the same.
2: Yep, yep. So really, I guess with that, I, Brendan, do you have anything for Mo?
1: no i mean thank you for coming on uh i do remember though it was my first year in the program and i was 18 and i just i probably skated four games that year but apparently this was when we could still stay in apartments and you sent somebody somewhere and they were unhappy that they had to sleep on a couch (laughs) and i just remember an email and it was short and sweet and all it said was if you don't like sleeping on a couch get better at hockey. That was it. (laughs) And that was like, I was 18 and I, I I remember like, I got that email. I was like, shit, like, is this, is this the program? Like what, like, what am I getting into? And I was just like, I, I still love that email to this day. Like I love it.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm sure over the years I've had a few too that I've had a, a good chuckle at. I, I know for me, I was always like, okay, I got to make sure I do this right. Cause I don't want to piss off Mo.
1: Oh yeah. Doing my mileage. I get like, I'm like, gotta be perfect. Gotta be perfect. Like I'm checking <laughs> it with like last month's just to make sure it's good.
0: I'm horrible. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, it's such a disaster because we only, you know, we have all these leagues and they only want to pay for what they're responsible for. So it is, it's complicated, not by design. It's constantly, it's complicated out of necessity mm-hmm. and I hate it. And I have talked to so many companies to figure out how to do our mileage elsewhere. Otherwise I can't figure it out. And, and, and Brendan, I love that you bring up the whole get, you know, <laughs> if you don't like it get better at hockey every time I send one of those emails out and I haven't done it this year. No, Because it's it's been a, a weird year, but years before, it's usually, if you don't like it, get better, get out, right? Mm-hmm. And every time I send that, Bruce Vita, who is a referee in the WCHA, used to lie in the Big Ten, he always calls me instantly after it comes out, and he's like, it's my favorite email of the year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, Just for that's... you guys,
0: I'll find a reason to send that thing out in the next yeah. month or two. Perfect. That's so
2: glorious. So yeah, glorious. I love that one. Well, with that, Mo, thank you for your time. We appreciate you. Thank you for everything that you've done um, as far as being a part of USA Hockey. And I know like you were one of the guys I definitely looked up to when uh, when I was coming through because like myself being a linesman, like you kind of got to find the guys that are really good at at the job. So and you, and you were definitely one of them. So I uh, appreciate you. Thanks for, thanks for the time. And uh, with that, that concludes this uh, interview for the podcast. And now we'll go back to uh, finish out the episode.
0: Thanks right. guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate everything. Hey
2: everybody. Hope you enjoyed that interview. The interview was brought to you by hockey ref shop. Hockey ref shop is the official U S equipment supplier of team stripes. They carry a variety of referee products, including beginner packages, sweaters, pants, accessories, protective equipment, fun referee-themed products, and more. They pride themselves on having great service from experienced officials with super-fast shipping. Visit hockeyrefshop.com today and place an order.
1: Look at you, reading it perfectly. Oh, my goodness. I
2: didn't get tripped up on super-fast shipping.
1: That's a pat on the back today. Uh, that interview, though, I mean, Mo was awesome.
2: Motown is awesome. I'll Great never guy. forget the first time. He supervised me very early on in my career um, with the ODP. And it was funny because, like, I moved to New York. Nobody really knew me. Um, this was when Chris Allman took over doing the AJ and the Met. So Motown saw me work and Allman saw me work. And then all of a sudden, I think I worked close to 100 games that season. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts.
1: Just hey, you're, was, you're good.
2: I'll never forget. they had me work three junior games in one day. Oh. I worked. So I was living in Albany, New York. Um, and I had a two set down in uh, New Jersey at Prudential Center for the Jersey Rockets. And um, Allman calls me like pretty early in the morning he's like hey have you left your house yet i'm like no i'm about to leave He was okay cool um i need you to go to the go to long island first i was like um why he goes i need you to line a game one of our guys bowed out the game starts in three hours and i think it was only a two hour drive or two and a half hour drive is like i'm i'm not gonna be there like he goes, it's okay if you miss a little bit. One of those kind of things.
1: Yeah, like just get there. We're, we're yeah, happy there's just, a body. Yeah,
2: just get there. So I'm like, okay. So I go there. I do that game. Uh, Mac McNulty refereed the game. I lined. I forget who the other – some other guy lined too. I don't remember at this point. But – um, and then I drove down to Camden, Jersey, to Prudential Center. Or, well, Newark, I should say. Um, and I, I, uh, I worked a Met league and an AJ game, and then I stayed at the league apartment in Camden, but it was just funny, like things that pop into my head when I, when I think about like the stuff I did, uh, that year working for, uh, the AJ and the Met. And then, like I said, Mo Mo's awesome. Um, he's doing the Paralympic games is just as much of an honor as doing the able body Olympic games. Um, getting to do that stuff—you know—the sh- the, the stories he shared about the world championships, all that—the guy's done some pretty unreal stuff. He's had a great career, and uh, he loves giving the current program guys a hard time about doing their mileage and their
1: hotel reports. For a good reason, though, as he oh, said.
2: Yeah,
1: for sure. But uh, I guess we got to jump into the clips this week because we have—I think it's like seven of them. Okay
2: um all right so let's just start with uh we have uh i'm I'm looking on the instagram so i'm going on the oldest one from Are you
1: doing the kachuk and wheeler
2: on wheeler there's nothing there nope um it looks like i mean yeah wheeler gets caught with an elbow but kachuk's like trying to play the puck and just kind of turns funny whatever not a penalty
1: like no no it's it's a it's a good hockey play with a bad result. Yeah, exactly. Kachuk goes to play the puck. Kachuk plays the puck. Wheeler just happens to skate into an elbow. Yeah, Wheeler just skates into his elbow. Yep, hundred percent no call. Just it's it's one of those ones where I think guys see it nowadays and go, "Oh shit, that's a penalty because he got hit in the head." Yeah. Um. But it really that I I wouldn't call that yeah, for sure. So uh, next
2: up we have Canadian defenseman and looks like Leon dry battling for the puck. And this one, no doubt. I mean, it looks like a slew foot So looking at an interference or maybe a trip because dry doesn't really have the puck there. I, I would say trip or minor slew foot. I, I, I don't see anything other than um, a minor penalty here.
1: Yeah, definitely nothing more than a minor. I don't like interference just because Dry technically did have the puck. Okay. Um, it looked like a really good battle. But then, yeah, like the Montreal guy, I don't know who it is off thought top of my head, just kind of sticks his leg in, puts yeah. the arm over the shoulder, but he never pulls back. Yeah, I, I mean, trip at minor penalty. Just, yeah. Minor I mean, penalty, you can't do holding, that. Holding, tripping. <laughs> Just don't do not do that play Same kind of play In our next clip Which is Montreal and Ottawa The Montreal yep. guy uh, Is trying to get the puck Steps up on the D-man And I think it's I don't know who that is
2: I, That one's more of a slew foot Because Zaitsev Like Legit Yeah he, he pulls back so, like, that one for sure, slewfoot. foot. Um, depending on what your rule book that you use says, um, you know, that – I mean, I would just call that probably a minor. Uh, no injury
1: on the play, nothing like that. So, minor penalty, got to call it. You see it, three your arm in the air. I was thinking minor trip just because if you're down on the goal line, a slew foot might be hard to sell there. But it's an easy it's an easy sell for the trip because you're like, yo, he stuck his leg out.
2: Either way, you can't do that. Two minutes in the box, you feel shame, and then you get free. And And your favorite clip. Oh, not even last
1: yet. We still got a few more here.
2: Oh, we got a few more. Okay, fair enough. My favorite clip of the last couple weeks. So Mr. Nathan McKinnon is a recurring person on this podcast. With things that happen to him, you know, get hit in the head. Well, this time he decides to return the favor and he throws a helmet at a guy. Why? Well, well, come on now. It was come the up. guy's helmet. He the guy's, he's he trying to return it back. It. He's trying to return it to him, yes, but oh you, my God. You
1: can't just chuck a guy's helmet at him.
2: No. I mean, and you see his body language when he hits him with it. McKinnon's like, are you kidding me? Yeah,
1: McKinnon's just like, oh come on, man. He and like
2: ga- he got a game misconduct for it.
1: As he should have.
2: As uh, oh, some hey, somebody pulled our rule out of our rule book. Uh, I was
1: about comment. to mention that.
2: Rule 101, you can't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I don't know what McKinnon was thinking. I really don't. I would love to know.
2: I think he thought that the the guy was going to catch it.
1: <laughs> I, I, why don't you just go hand it to him? You know, like,
2: I mean, yeah, I know. It was, it was just, absolutely it was hilarious. Cool. Yeah, it was just funny. And then we had a couple people in the Facebook group, like, um, dissecting it way too much. And I was like, guys, this is funny. Oh, 1000%. This- Dogecoin is about to hit 20 cents. <laughs> anywho so yeah this is funny sorry I, I i'm watching my cryptocurrency on my other screen being
1: extremely unprofessional while we're recording this honestly i don't blame you
2: um all
1: right so next clip
2: next oh
1: this yeah, is a weird one
2: did did yeah so far side referees kind of low on the goal line there uh in his position, he's look like, yeah, so he's looking through the goaltender and mm-hmm. the pucks coming at him. Um this so is this a high is, guy call in my this opinion. This is a high guy penalty call.
1: Um my question is what are you calling? Because I saw that clip and I said elbowing head contact or interference, pick your poison.
2: I, I'm I'm not going interference there.
1: I I'm, don't blame yeah. you.
2: So USA hockey youth, I'm just going two and 10 head contact.
1: I agree with that.
2: Making it easy. Um, Any other rule book? Probably elbow. Elbow minor. um,
1: Maybe a two minor head contact if you have it.
2: Yeah, a minor head contact. It doesn't warrant anything more than that. No. If he stays down, different story. But yeah, minor elbow, minor head contact. Youth USA Hockey Youth, uh, two and
1: ten. Yeah, easy. that that's definitely what I was thinking. I was thinking two ten head contact in a youth game, but if your rule book tells you you have a two for head contact, use it or use a two for elbow. It' pretty easy. It was just one of those weird <sighs> ones that's away from the the, the puck because he had gotten rid of it. The hit was made when the puck was literally on the other side of the ice. I mean. It's one of those ones where I think it's easy to miss if the high guy is puck focused. Yeah. And that's another big thing. Like as a high guy, you have to know that hit's coming. Yep. Well, and it's, be it's ready for it.
2: I soft I think. Like knowing too, like as the back referee there, that the low referee, okay, my partner's on the goal line. This hit's happening directly across. With the net and the goalie between my partner and the play,
1: and the pucks so, coming towards my partner.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. So my radar's up there and I'm watching it mm-hmm. instead of, you know, lollygagging or whatever. And I'm sure, um, the uh, the guys on the ice made the appropriate call there. So we'll, let's go to this next one because it's Mr. Reeves again. Yeah. Um, major game, match
1: penalty. That's. I'm, I'm going major game elbow. More major head game head contact. One head of the contact two. elbow. Yeah. Done.
2: No questions asked. Um I honest so USA Junior major game, youth, um, either major game or match, if you feel like it. I'm fine um,
1: with major game. I think match is a bit much.
2: Um college rule book DQ. Uh pro hockey major game, you can't hit a guy like that. And I'm pretty sure they called a major game on this.
1: I want to say they did. Um, But then did Revo – I want to say he got either suspended or he got a hearing for it. I probably should have known off the top of my head. But, like, it's one of those plays where, yeah, NHL like, anywhere, I think that's a five-game game at least I, – I think matches maybe a little bit of an overkill. That's just me, though.
2: Sorry, I'm reading one of the comments, and I, I need to really have a talk with somebody. Um, that's, that's always good. So, the last play here um, – so, it's the Montreal and uh, – okay, Montreal and Maple Leafs clip. Now that I, so I'm watching this,
1: I'm saying minor interference because the Toronto player changes his lane. I agree. hundred. Like It's one of those ones where it, it almost looks like a good battle, but the more you sit there and watch it, you literally see the Montreal guy know he's going to get beat and stop moving his feet, change his lane, and cuts off the angle. Now the argument is, is he cuts off his angle probably a foot before the puck. Still interference, though. Yeah, I mean, he changed his lane, like, simple as that. But I also think in a 2-1 hockey game, halfway through the game, it could potentially be a no-call. But yeah. Toronto's on the power play in that clip.
2: Yeah, so with them being on the power play, you're calling that 100%.
1: And not because, oh, it's your makeup call. It's because when you're on a power play, you, you don't get any freebies is ha- at least how yeah. I view it. But I mean that is all the clips we have for this week. Ross, unless you have anything else to add, I think that wraps up episode 92 of the podcast. I I got nothing. Um I hope everybody is I think nationals
2: are going on right now. I think high school nationals Yeah, high
1: school started today and then so did D 2 nationals. Okay. Um, so
2: everyone that's still out there working some games, have fun. We're doing a, adult nationals here in Tampa. I skated three today. I got one tomorrow and then that's it for me. How was got that? Um, the over 40 game was fun and the over 50 top level was pretty good. Um, so, Are they so the over 40 is three. Oh, and, um, the, uh, over 50. So get this my third game we get out on the ice and my partner comes over to me and goes can they wear those helmets and there's one guy wearing not the gretzky jofa but like the og forsberg jofa and then there's another guy wearing a curling helmet and i look at him like dude it's men's league they don't have heck rules as long as it's a helmet, they can wear
1: it. I thought it had to be a helmet made for hockey. Ma- made for hockey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey. I told him about
2: the only thing I'm not going to let him wear is a bicycle helmet.
1: <laughs> I had one guy uh, one day come out in a horse riding helmet. No. And I looked at him and I was like, nah, dude. And he's like, I know. I forgot my helmet at home. My wife's coming. Can I just do warm up with it? And I was like, no mm- because you're gonna fall and then I'm gonna get sued. Yeah. I don't have any money. Well
2: this this helmet that the guy had on it, it it looked like it was weird like it was a soft like it was a hard pad and a hard pad it had like I don't I'm it, it, it was made by Spalding which probably hasn't made a hockey helmet since the 70s.
1: Yeah. Um, but I'm just like yeah. <laughs> whatever. I mean the Jofa, the Jofa-letic of hell yeah, yeah. Especially the OG, just put the plastic on top of your head and go. Yep. I don't know so, about the curling one, but that's great. That that's the the stuff you see in beer league, especially at the beer league nationals. Like that's awesome.
2: It was it was really fun today. But, uh, and then after my uh, eight a.m. game, eight a.m. game, the teams from the eight a.m. game by nine thirty were upstairs in the bar drinking.
1: As they should be. So, What else are you supposed to do with your day?
2: Get wasted and play more hockey, man. That's what those it's guys like, are doing. That's like they're a having great a blast. Day. Exactly. Really are. There's, there were a couple of former pros on the ice, too, in my over 40 games, so that was cool. That just sounds like a fun time. It is. It is. Maybe you will have to come out here sometime for it. Hell yeah. So, with that, I think, uh, I think that's all we got.
1: Yeah, episode 92 is officially done and dusted, and we will see you guys next week for episode 93. Have a Sweet. great week, guys.
2: you guys